everybody i'm peter and for this boy there's nothing i would do it's mike welcome to rebels rebels the podcast that explores the star wars expanding universe through an episode by episode deep dive into the star wars animated series rebels we're coming up on the end mike it's crazy yep so this is the penultimate episode which is a a word that i like yeah Um, yeah it is a good word yeah and so we are getting ready for the end game, and I am excited to do this. Um, before we jump in, though, if you haven't told a friend, well, you better do it. It's about to, This is about to be done. You're running out of chances. But we appreciate everyone who has shared this podcast and checked us out. Um, we're getting a little emotional as it gets to the end, and we're really thankful for the people who have listened and supported. So thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. You ready to jump into this, Mike? I'm ready. You ready? Yep. All right. Well, let's mix up a quick space refresher and recap what happened in episode 12, season four of Fool's Hope. Hera, Rex, and Callus recruit Hondo, Gregor, Wolf, and Ketsu to help liberate Lothal, which they agree to out of respect and love for Ezra. Back on Lothal, Ezra receives a vision of Thrawn returning from Coruscant, which heightens the need to accelerate their plan to seize the capital. Meanwhile, Price is secretly contacted by Ryder, who offers to betray the rebels to her in return for his own safety. Price and Ruck lead an assault force on the rebel base while Hera attempts to return with reinforcements, but must first slip past the Imperial blockade. The Imperials quickly gain the upper hand and capture the rebels, but Ryder reveals that his betrayal was merely a ruse to draw Price away. Hera arrives with the ghost and reinforcements while Ezra summons the Lothwolves to fight with them. The Imperials are defeated and Price is captured, but Ezra reminds everybody that the battle to liberate Lothal is just beginning. <clears throat> That's what happened. Nice. And um, true to form and giving away my feelings of this episode, I'm not applying any theme to this episode today. Mm, fair. I, I largely feel this is a Bridger episode. In the, you know, if, if we distilled the EP, you know, I said, if, if we, and we, ha, we're, we, we have to remember to do this, Peter, to create a list of must watch Rebels episodes. Oh yeah, totally. <clears throat> this one you could skip. You could just say price is captured and they recruit Gregor and Wolf and. Yeah, and basically. Yeah. As long as, yeah. If the list just says like what happens yeah in the episodes you can skip. I agree. I will say, though, what I, my opinion is I agree completely that this is a Bridger episode, but I think that this is a good example of a Bridger episode Mm. because I think this is a Bridger episode in the most literal sense of it, that they are setting up what is going to happen in the finale. It's a bridge to the finale, whereas we've kind of derisively talked about Bridger episodes as like, 
you know, droids in distress. It's a Bridger episode because it's literally just like killing time until the next episode and nothing that happens in that episode matters at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from a plot standpoint, you're right. There isn't much that happens at all. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty darn simple. Yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, which I don't know if is good or bad for, I, I, I tend to, it's interesting. I tend to think of penultimate episodes because we'll keep saying that word. Mm, good as, word. Yeah, uh, as some of the best episodes, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but this one really does. It doesn't. It doesn't do it. It doesn't do it. I wonder. I mean, maybe this is a philosophical thing, and I'm trying to think of finales in the past where. Um, you know, we've brought up Battlestar Galactica a lot in this, and I think the penultimate episode is probably better than the ultimate episode. Um, like so much happens and is resolved. And then when you actually figure out, like unlock all the mysteries of the series that you're a little disappointed, um, lost was a little bit like that. I don't know if exactly the penultimate episode was better, but you know, leading up to the ending was better than the actual ending. Mm. You wouldn't know about Battlestar Galactica because, again, you never finished it. But this episode almost flips that where, you know, the penultimate episode is, and we'll get to our ratings. I actually kind of like this episode, Um, but not a lot happens, but the ending is so good. So I wonder if it's almost like you have to pick one. Like you can't have a good penultimate and ultimate episode for a series. Yeah, Uh, that's a good call. Um, And interesting Wait, are you saying that you like are you saying you don't like you're i kind of got confused you're saying you like the ultimate episode but not the penultimate episode in this in this yes i think okay. like the the series ending of rebels is so freaking strong yeah that you know this one is absolutely a little bit of a blah in comparison yeah 100 um but I'm wondering if that's just a function of like you just can't have bangers like five bangers in a row. <laughs> you got to take a time to breathe and like set the chess pieces. Yeah, I guess. Or if you have a, I mean, it's it's part of the problem with backwards design, which in mm-hmm. a way these are these are designed these episodes are designed very well. And what I mean by that is uh, clearly the pieces to the puzzle have been laid out. You know, clues to how this whole series is going to be ha- will end have been laid the season before even with words foreboding words from, you know, people like the Bendu. So we, the creators knew how they were going to end. That doesn't mean they knew every beat between there mm-hmm. in, you know, or they, or they did, I don't know, but it, it feels like it's like, okay, we know how we're going to end. We know what, how we need to get there. Um, and so, and an episode feel like this, which could have been, you know, had they had been in a pinch and needed to squeeze an episode together, they could have taken chunks of this episode and pieced it in the episode before and in the episode mm-hmm. after. It just, um, I don't know that it was, it's a necessity that we take a breather here. I don't think we need to. I think we could have kept momentum going and, and hit every week with a strong episode. Um, I personally remember watching this episode when it came out uh, only because the season was getting so wild. And I remember being like two episodes left mm-hmm. an ultimate episode. And I remember this episode coming out and me being pretty underwhelmed and a little bummed 
Um, yeah, that's fair. Because I was like, wait, I have two episodes left and this one is going to be like an emotional Hondo and like clone troopers episode. I was like, <laughs> so I was a bit let down and then rewatching it. I was like, yeah, I'll never watch this episode again. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Yeah. Um, if I'm remembering correctly as well, I think that this, they aired all the episodes in doublets. Like they aired two episodes every week to finish out this um, season of Rebels. So the other weird thing is, if I am remembering correctly, this aired the same time as World Between Worlds. Which is a tough follow. Yeah, big time tough follow. Um, but again, like, I, I don't know if I bu- it bugged me that much because, again, I needed, like, almost a breather to digest what happened in World Between Worlds. So it kind of works yeah. for me a little bit. But, okay, so why wouldn't this episode have worked before World Between Worlds? I mean, or Gene, that's not a, it's better yeah. as a question. Would this episode have worked before World Between Worlds? Is yeah, there anything think, that World Between Worlds needed to do to get, get us here? I think the only thing that, um, the only thing would maybe, some of the Ezra stuff might have to be rewritten a little bit. So from plot, plot wise, no, absolutely not. Um, but I think, the big thing about that that world between worlds impressed for me is is Ezra finishing his Jedi training and learning the bigger lessons about letting go and sacrificing mm-hmm. yourself and not holding to your attachments. And I think that allows him to kind of start putting the motions because we'll, we'll see, especially in the next episode, that Ezra is very intentional about what's going to happen. This isn't like mm-hmm. a suicide mission that's like all right, hold on to our butts. Hopefully we make it out. It's like, Mm. Ezra's like, I know what needs to happen. This is all falling into place. I'm listening to the force and I'm letting go and we're going to kick ass. Mm. And so I think this is part of that is he's like, okay, I know what I need to do. Let's start the plan now. So this is kind of like the, the pre-work that needs to happen to make the last episode happen. Mm. Um, I guess there's no specific reason why, that couldn't have happened a couple episodes ago. And then just like price is chilling in the cave as a prisoner while they go off and do world between worlds. Um, but I don't know. It didn't just didn't bug me that much. Mm, Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't bug me. It's just, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It slips, it gets dangerously close to the things I don't like about rebels and Clone wars, (laughs) which is, kind of can be in which I feel like the bad batch is going to continue a lot of, mm. which is like this quirky, crazy, like zany, like cartoony <laughs> vibes like that Hondo and the other clone troopers bring. Yeah, that's fair. And, uh, it's just like a star Wars. I'm not interested in. That's all. Yeah. The kooky characters. I get yeah. that. Um, this episode was originally named Ezra's Gambit, but was ultimately, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he was into a lot of chess. Um, it's a Queen's Gambit reference. Have yeah, you watched yeah. that yet? It's, it's fantastic. Inter- no, we have not. I have a feeling <laughs> we will never. We have this weird thing where anytime a show is way too popular, we, we're like, mm, let's not watch it. It's such a Mike show. Um, it's, it's, you would love it. I, I think we will. I think we, I, I'm just waiting, like, I'm giving it a year until I watch it. Yeah. Like, it definitely is in, like, the, uh, 
What's the what's the royalty show you love? Oh, The Crown. Yeah, it's rewatching like, The Crown currently, which is funny. I haven't watched The Crown very much, but like wow, it definitely has really? those vibes. Plus, like Mad Men, like it's it's definitely a, a Mike show. What a great! Did you see the Queen's speech this uh, this Christmas? No, I Christmas. haven't. Touching. Yeah. But that was a divergence. Um, It was originally named Ezra's Gambit, but was ultimately changed to A Fool's Hope, which is a reference, which is referencing a quote from Gandalf the White in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Is there any hope, Gandalf, for Frodo and Sam? There never was much hope. Just a fool's hope. And I don't really want to spoil anything, but I think that is very appropriate for what is going to come later. Maybe. Yeah. Um, another thing that was really interesting while I was doing the research into, into this is that this, so this is called the liberation of Lothal in history books of Star Wars. This is kind of, we're marking the liberation of Lothal and it takes place in zero BBY which is the before the Battle of Yavin, which is how Star Wars time is tracked. If you've listened to this much Rebels, Rebels, and don't know that yet, we have really failed our job. Mm -hmm. But um, what I didn't really realize is this butts up really close to Rogue One and A New Hope. Um, I knew we were creeping up to it, but I didn't realize it's the same exact year. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm not shocked by that. Yeah. I knew it was close. Well, it, the thing that's interesting, I knew it was close. I, I didn't know it was that close because I feel like they do all these jumps like nine years in the future, five years in the past. Yeah. And so like just for it to be the same year, it's like, whoa, um, like the liberation of Lothal might happen. And then they straight up go to Yavin and, and like start everything that happens with Rogue One, which is interesting. Oh, but what is. I think is extra interesting is it brings extra context as to why the rebellion isn't sanctioning this mission and they're kind of on their own which is something i forgot when i watched this and is interesting is like yeah no this isn't really a rebellion victory isn't that funny like this is a ghost crew victory the rebellion had almost nothing to do with it which is very interesting to me i mean almost not even almost had nothing they absolutely had nothing to do with fair you're right Um, (laughs) they they actively yeah which is i mean which is fine Mm-hmm. And I think it makes sense. Like if you look at what's happening at Rogue One right now, we yeah. see how scattered and unorganized the rebellion still is. Also, they got bigger fish to fry. I mean, like yeah. this is this is this is really for Ezra mm-hmm. um, and the Jedi. And the rebellion doesn't exist to protect the Jedi, or you know, or to maintain what the Jedi have created. It's yeah, it's created for the people. If totally. anything, the the rebellion being a part of this. Would have been really concerning <laughs> to me <laughs> because they they exist for the people, not the Jedi. Because the Jedi are so the minority. It's yeah. it's like it's like yeah. I don't know. I don't even well, I could see because it's not just for the Jedi. I mean, they are trying to liberate a planet that's being crushed by the yeah. Empire. Yeah. Um, I think what's impre- what's what was impressed on me is the fact that you know I always just had this impre- impression growing up that the Rebel Alliance was doing stuff for a long time before a new hope like this was a battle that's been raging and it's so interesting to me now and it's impressed even more with rogue one about how they really haven't done anything until Jyn Erso like forces their hand yeah you know Jyn Erso is the one who's like 
I'm going to do this, and so you better get your stuff together, or else, well, it like, we're screwed. Yeah. And it seems like they're largely collecting themselves still. Like, how many yeah. people are in the rebellion? It's under a thousand. Yeah, it's quite small. Um, so and it's yeah, it's. I just think that's pretty interesting that like such a huge, like the eventual defeat of Thrawn and the liberation of this entire planet and defeating a blockade had nothing to do with the Rebel Alliance because they were busy just like. Yeah. trying to set up their base and squabble about what they were. So yeah. that's some interesting context for this episode. It is. How'd you like returning to Jupa base? Oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, it's, you know, I, I think it was really cool. I, it's actually a pretty cool base. Uh, and when you, when mm-hmm. the, uh, the ghost lands on it, I was like, that's pretty badass. Yeah. Um, did you, I would like to live there. Yeah. Did you notice that we talked about this when we talked about the Jupa Base episode? That oh, were there hangers? Well, it was the episode was inspired by Jaws. Yeah, right. Yep. And they have officially they upgraded their mobile home to one of the AT-ATs that attacked them. So in oh, essence, yeah. they literally have gotten a bigger boat. Yeah, I drum roll. But <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll let you have that one. Thanks, I appreciate it. It was good. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, th- it is a fun base. It's it's fun. It's super unique. I, yeah, I, uh, I just don't know if you need these guys. Yeah, I think they they, some... they, they kind of serve. It kind of seems like you just needed Hondo. <laughs> yeah, that's true for this episode at least. Yeah, but again, so much of this is setting the table for. Well, even for the finale, I think all you need is... I mean, maybe not. No, yeah. no. I, I withdraw my statement. Okay. Because another aspect that I think is underrated about this, which I just tend to like, or like... I don't know if it's a genre of like movies, but it's like, the gang's coming together. Yeah. There's I, a good Rick and Morty episode where they like, I don't they like spoof that, that. Yeah. It's just like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch like, that show I, enough. Yeah, but I just I just like that style of like heist and like Oh really? I, I don't like the get the gang together thing. Yeah. Maybe that's why it worked for me a little bit more. And so like it is kind of fun for me to see them get like, let's get the old pals back together, we'll get Vizago, we'll get Hondo, like uh, all the clones, like we're getting the gang back together. As a child of the eighties, it just is so no it's just so overdone for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think about like the Mandalorian did that in a certain, uh, from a certain point of view, in a certain yeah. sense, they had like the gang getting back together kind of at the end of episode of the last episode of the first season. Right. Mm-hmm. Like all the, but why that worked for me is it, you, they didn't have the moment of like, get the gang back together. It just happened. They kind of just showed up. Yeah. But this whole episode is convince the gang to get back together. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what doesn't work about it for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I think another thing that was worked for me in the getting the gang back together thing is the growth of Visago and Hondo and yeah. how much they have affection for Ezra. Visago. Where yeah. is Visago? Wait, hold on. Was Visago in this episode? Yeah. Um, he was, he oh, was no, sorry, sorry. I was thinking of As Morgan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vizago was already at yes. the base. Yeah, um, I know that. Yeah, I remember Vizago there. 
And yeah, it's Honda says, there's nothing I would ever not do yeah, for that, that was kid a, or whatever I said in the beginning. That was the best line of the whole thing. Yeah, I thought that was great. And there's a good point that I was watching or was listening to an interview with Dave Filoni. And he was talking about how we focus so much on Ezra's connection to animals, but it's overlooked at how skilled he is at connecting with people too. And I think that's a really interesting part of his background because... I think that's a product of where he came from. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he grew up on the streets. He's Street his, smart, yeah. he he was a criminal essentially, yeah. um, and so he can look past the fact that like Hondo's a pirate, or like Visago's a crime lord, or yeah. sometimes it backfires. And he looks past how Darth Maul's a Sith lord, and that screws yeah. them over. But he still like can look past the people's surface and connect with them on an extremely empathetic level. And I think that's a really nice touch. Um, and something that I really love in my protagonists. It is. It's almost too underplayed. Yeah, um, I agree. The, yeah, even a single line could have amped that up because it's a really good point. But even just simply pointing it out, I don't think would have been bad. I think mm-hmm. it, it could have been worthwhile to been like to be like, uh, you know, I don't know, make it like he's he's one of us kind of line. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why people like Han Solo so much is like, you know, he was a bad guy essentially. And maybe that wasn't played up as much until for better or worse, how you feel about Solo, you know, Solo actually kind of draws in some of those things around the edge where you kind of see how much of a like loser he is. Yeah. Um, But (laughs) yeah. You know, like a lot of people, I think Leia at a certain point is just like, oh, you are just like a scruffy criminal and I can't have you in my presence. Yeah. I but actually think Spaceballs does it better, but yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> but it's like, you know, we both grew up in a church bubble and like, you know, this isn't specific to church stuff, but we know people who are like, it, oh yeah, you were judged on the one surface thing about you like if you're an unhoused individual it's just like oh my gosh they're dirty and gross so we can't see past that and see their character like everything's so black and white you're a good person or you're a bad person you know you made a mistake so now you're a bad person and ezra has the ability to see the nuance in people and look past that surface stuff yeah and really connect with them empathetically and i i really love that i think it's great um it is it's too downplayed um because yeah, think about the character arc of Ezra being, you know, Aladdin um to to this. It's pretty cool. Yeah, totally. He was so Aladdin in that yeah. first season. Um I have been fairly positive on this episode, but there's one thing that perplexed me and continues to perplex me and it's frustrating me for days after Ooh. is the line where he goes, where Visago says, I'm beginning to regret the day I met you, Ezra Bridger. And Ezra goes, the day isn't over yet. What does that mean? Did did they just meet that day? Long day. He said, I'm beginning to meet, Life I'm beginning to regret day. the day I met you. I know. Which was like months and months and months ago. <laughs> but today isn't over yet. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not great. It's not a great line. I don't know why it's bugging me so much, but it really is. Yeah, it doesn't work. Um, but I don't have a ton more to talk about in this episode. There is a couple fun things with the um blockade. Um, first little Easter egg is the whole planet is blockaded by the Seventh Fleet, which is Grand Admiral's 
Admiral Thrawn's fleet. And in there, you can see a ship called an Imperial Dreadnought, which Ooh. is a Legends ship that was featured heavily in the original Thrawn novels. Dreadnought. And these were brought in as Easter eggs to the Legends people. And I've got to imagine that's the inspiration for the First Order Dreadnoughts as yeah. well. Must be. Yeah. yeah. That's a nice catch. I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah. And then another fun little Easter egg is this cargo freighter that they follow in, which I love this very, very Han Solo. He attached to the ship and kind of float in unseen. Um, I like this plan by Hondo and the fact that they're like, how many times have you ever been run into? And he's like, one, two, three, four. Like, I thought that was really funny. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that was actually pretty good. Yeah. I just love Hondo. How much yeah. he's grown. It's crazy how much it he's is. grown. He was he, so annoying at there, first. Well, there was, yeah, there was an episode where he got funny all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. And, it was, and uh, yeah, it was an interesting turn. But, yeah. yeah, he's grown on me, unlike As Morgan, who's not grown on me at all. Exactly. Um, but the cargo freighter that they are following in is Cargo Freighter EF-75, which was named by Stephen Melching, who was the writer, Melch. co-writer of this episode. Yep, Melch. Um, this was a reference to the bulk carrier, the SS Edmund Fitzgerald, which sank in Lake Superior in 1975. It was later memorialized in one of Melching's favorite songs, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. Okay. So there's some How random. lake sink trivia for you. That is so random. Okay. <laughs> I know, right? Um yeah. The other thing that I'm really uh, that kind of bugged me is who's this mustache guy at the base? Did you notice mustache guy? Uh, there was a couple randoms. Yeah, but they really focus on mustache guy, and I have no idea who this dude is. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. They there was quite a few people half shields as we call them. Yeah, in this episode that I don't I don't know why there was a focus there. I I'm wondering if it was to show like the other reinforcements that were brought in. I don't, I don't know. I, mm. I don't know the purpose. Yeah. Just interesting. But I will say that I do like this battle. I thought for, you know, this being kind of a bridger episode, I do think that this was an interesting battle and it was fun. And the thing that was impressed on me, and they talked about this in Rebels Recon a lot too, is that, you know, this is the ending, so we're going to go for it. And so this is, we've talked so much about how the Empire only brings like six people to every fight. Yeah. Um, which part, part of that is just a, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Just a product of the fact that they can yeah. only render so many people on screen with the computers they have at a certain amount of time. Um, but they said, you know, this is the finale, so we're going to go for it. And this is the first time that they've really have felt like they brought an army. And we see a lot of people on screen. We see a lot of effects and lighting. And so they were saying that computers were working overnight at, at a level that they've never worked before. But they really wanted to go all out for the ending. And so I thought that worked for sure. Oh, wow. That's cool. I um, also really love when, that scene, just the staging of the scene in the cave when when he lights his green lightsaber and you see the wolves behind behind yeah. him. I thought that was beautiful. It looks cool. I I don't love the wolves in this episode, <laughs> um, which is, uh, I usually love the wolves everywhere. They, eh, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't like him here. I, I, I thought. That's interesting. 
um, I don't know. They're they they they're they're, or or maybe this was the perfect amount. Had they been used again for battle, it would it it would have felt like too much. Um, mm-hmm. but they they feel like just such a like they come in anytime they come in they just shut stuff down like oh the wolves are here we're gonna win yeah um and it kind of takes all the peril out of it like with rook they they've already neutralized rook once right mm-hmm. and now they're kind of doing it again uh yeah they just they they turn the tides a little too quickly for me it's like lord of the rings and the army of the dead just kind of rushes in it's like oh game oh, over. yeah totally well it's pro- i haven't seen this anywhere but i could totally see that being a reference knowing dave filani yeah, and you know, Lord of the Rings. It's such a thing. It's the it's, yeah. what do you call the uh, uh, God in the machine? What's the thing? I have no uh, idea what you're talking. Deus about. Machina. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that. It's like uh, you're saved. And uh, Tolkien did that all the time with like the eagle. Oh, the eagles are here. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, game over. The eagles are here. We have now. The eagles are here. We won. Yeah. Um, or the end tree ends. And this is kind of an, uh, this is kind of a parallel to that. Like, okay, the wolves, like a natural thing rushing in to tip the scales. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, and I'm not up on my Lord of the Rings as much as star Wars, but I think as you bring that up, I think that's another reason why this worked for me a little bit is like, I, it's just that rush of, of adrenaline that I got in. I don't remember which movie, but it's like, you know, things, everything's falling on them. Not the, not the army of the dead part, but it's like, they're about to be defeated and you never Gandalf don't know how. rides over the cliff at, yeah, at dawn. Exactly. Yeah. And then like the army of men come and then the yeah. army of elves come and you're yeah. like, we're getting the gang back together. And it's like the big climactic yeah. battle. And I think that's what this episode is as well. You know, the ring hasn't been destroyed. The actual ultimate goal hasn't happened, but you know, we, we did the big conflict right. to get All to right. that. I kind of like that part. And set up, you know, that's a, that is a great point. This is totally that episode of, uh, yeah. Fight the big battle and then leave the, you know, the hero to the, the tower with the, the evil sorcerer kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, Um, speaking of the wolves though, I just put a video in the chat. Um, so the, there was a joke for the crew that the sound department, they sent it away for like them to put the growling, biting sounds in there. And the first thing that they sent back was every time a stormtrooper got bitten, they put in a sound of a squeaky toy. <laughs> and I, that actual video, I don't think it exists anywhere publicly, but someone on YouTube did that just for a joke. So I put it in the chat and I just want you to play it because I found it. I found it very cute and entertaining. Okay. I'm watching it. <laughs> I'm watching it as well. <laughs> <laughs> the music's so dramatic too. I didn't just hear the squeak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah. So good on you, sound department. I appreciate it. Nice. Also price. You look so stupid. I know, right? Did that the the whole, did you ever believe that writer was uh was was flipping the script? It was really turning tables. I didn't, but I think because I've seen this and I know how it happens, I can't remember how I felt in the moment when I first watched the episode because I probably didn't believe it either because it's like it's just like of course like the good guys are going to win and 
That just seems out of character. But I will say that I was impressed with how they set that up. I thought it was... I didn't have to suspend my disbelief. Like, it makes sense to me that, like, especially when you see where Ryder was and he was so defeated when you first got him, that he has a little bit of hope. And then all of a sudden, the tide turns against them and it looks impossible and he loses that hope again. Mm. Um, I could see that happening and they set the stage for it well. So I think it definitely works. I don't know if I believed it, but I don't think it's the show's fault. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I couldn't, it's interesting, I couldn't, it, it almost worked for me, because I, I couldn't remember, and I think the fact that I was like, wait, I can't remember if he actually turns, mm-hmm. um, was like, a, was telling enough to be like, oh, okay, so maybe that works, <clears throat> and I don't know, he's a politician, and one of the things I kept thinking is like, okay, once Lothal is overthrown, I was watch, when I was watching this episode, I was, I was like, what's next, who's, who's stepping in here? No, like, writer. It's, it's, it's got to be, yeah, it's got to be a writer. And so I was thinking, okay, so is he setting himself up for if it doesn't work? Mm, uh, I don't know. Point. So. Yeah. I will say, because we've used, we used this as a proxy before, I did watch this episode with my wife, and she seemed to be a little bit more on edge about what's going on. Like, mm. what's this guy doing? Wait, what's he? Oh, my God. Like, and then he's like, I don't know. Like, she wasn't, I don't know if she was all in on being deceived, but it wasn't, like, on its face ridiculous. So I think that's another sign that it, that this, this worked at least. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. Um, the only, yeah. And the other, the last thing I really have to say is that I do like, and I don't know what they did to make it feel this way, but it feels like this fight is very justified. And it's not just, you know, all, I'd say most of the fights in Star Wars are justified just by the fact that it's like you're fighting space Nazis. So it's like, you know, they're bad guys. So try to yeah. kick them off your planet. But like on a more micro level, it's this fight isn't just about like bad guys beating good guys. You know, this is about this was taken from Ryder Azadi. Like, you know, Price was took this from Ryder and really did personal things to Ezra and the people in that have stakes in this. Mm. And it's like, even in that, you know, they're not trying to just kill everyone and just be like, let's blow everything up and kill every person. Um, They're just trying to reinstate the rightful ruler and put things back in order. And I can't really pinpoint why the impression came off for me that this is different than any other Star Wars fight or any other movie where you're fighting bad guys. But for some reason, that was left. That impression was left with me. And I, and mm. I liked that a little bit. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can respect that. Yeah. Um, but that's basically all I had for this episode. Quite the Bridger episode. Did you have anything yeah. else you wanted to talk about? Uh, no. Yeah. It, it, it was a Bridger episode for me. Um and um yeah i i don't know that i'll ever watch it again i appreciate mm. it more after hearing you talk about it um and it helps to contextualize this as that big battle before um you know yeah before the end that's helpful i um i still don't know if i'll ever watch it again to be honest that might be the last time i've ever i'll ever see this episode well mike the day isn't over yet that what (laughs) yeah that doesn't make sense
How we like to end every episode is by giving a grading scale between our favorite thing in Star Wars right now and our least favorite thing in Star Wars right now. Um, I will go ahead and give my example is that my favorite thing in Star Wars right now is that YouTube video of the little girl dressed as Rey at Disneyland. So precious. She's using her force powers to turn away the bad guys and she is a hero. My least favorite thing is Rey Palpatine. Between those two things, I give this episode Ewoks coming out of the forest as the Calvary for Han and Han's... Why did I say Han? I never say Han. Well, the interesting. Yeah. yeah. Coming, out of, coming out as the Calvary for Han and Han's pals in Return of the Jedi. It's not the most substantive thing, but I find it fun. It's an A- minus for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who okay. about you, Mike? Um, on a scale, my current most favorite thing is uh, Ben tells Luke about the larger world from inside his Tatooine abode to the relationship between Rey and Kylo. It's rom- overly romantic. Um, and they can just be buddies. I would give this episode a the weird space battle that happens above Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> where all those ships are flying overhead, and I just have so much peril fatigue, and I'm not sure <laughs> what's going on most of the time. It's it's not the nicest of scales, but um, it's it's how I feel about this episode. It, it Fair didn't didn't super work for me as a big battle that was supposed to get me pumped for something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's, the bad version of my scale. Yeah. We're essentially describing the same thing, but yeah. I think we both like the Ewoks and both dislike that space battle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's contextual. It works, and it's also subjective. So yeah. uh, Interesting. Uh, yeah, I guess the same side's the different side of the same coin. Huh? Um, yeah. So, that's so what's it. the letter grade? Uh, it's like a C plus. Okay. Fair. Cool. Yeah. So we're going to close this one out. We got a fun guest for the finale. I'm excited Mm -hmm. to talk to them. Mm -hmm. So please stay tuned. You've been here so far. Why not finish it out with us? Or don't. Yeah. You've come this far. Why not not listen to the last episode? Yeah, pull a mic. Just listen to every single thing except for the very last one and never listen to the last one. That way it never ends. And (laughs) you've always got something on your plate and you're never done. Yep. Interesting. But until then, you can find us on the internet at Rebels Rebels Pod on Gmail, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, Follow along if you're interested in what we are going to be doing next. We we have a couple irons in the fire about how this podcast is going to evolve, and I am quite excited for it. Yep, they're all irons, and they're all in the fire. Yep. Yep, true. And uh, remember, until next time, to be brave out there, and don't look back. Don't look back. Bye. Bye.